This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, we are uh, on part two of a series we're doing called Above All Else. Above all else. And uh, as you saw last week, we're talking about a very key scripture in the Bible. Uh, and, it, and it's Proverbs 4.23. We're going to flip there. But, uh, but, but I'm telling you that if God's word says, hey, above everything else, I need you to do this, then I'm thinking, oh, gosh, I better listen. What if somebody really important and really successful in life, somebody that you really admire, and you're like, hey, I'm coming to you for wisdom. I'm coming to you for help. What should I do? And what if that person said, okay. I'll tell you what, above everything else, here's what you're going to have to do. I'd be like, whoa, get the pen and paper out. I want to I want to hear what they've got to say right now. If they're saying to do this above all else, I better listen. And if you're a person that goes to God Almighty for wisdom, for understanding, for saying, God, what, what do I need to be doing right now? And he says, "Okay, above all else, here's what you better do. You better listen. You better pay attention to what he's about to say. So let's look here in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Proverbs 4 and verse 23. Can we flip there this morning? Amen. Who came to church and said, hey, I want to leave that place better than I'm going in there today. I want changed. I don't want to stay the same. I don't want to stay the same. And that's, that's what I'm saying every time I come in to hear the word of God. I want it to change me. I don't have so much pride to say, hey, I don't need to change. I've got it together. Hey, I don't. But Jesus does. Amen. Proverbs 4. We're going to look here at verse 23 in the NLT. Proverbs 4, verse 23 it says, guard your heart above all else. Well, why would I do that? For it determines the course of your life. Whoa. I thought my head determined the course of my life. I thought my money determined the course of my life. I thought my husband determined the course. No, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the entire course of your life. And I love how the the 2004 translation of NLT says, above all else, guard your heart. It affects everything you do. Your heart affects everything that you do. Well, Again, we need to explain this because some people, when we say heart, they think that we're talking about the organ that beats on the inside of your chest. That's not what this is referring to, though it is a good idea to take care of your heart because, hey, I found out that heart disease is the number one killer worldwide. Somebody dies every 26 seconds from heart disease or 36 seconds. Anyway, I got that info from the CDC, and so I trust it with all my heart. Come on. Yeah. They know what they're talking about, and they don't ever change their mind on stuff. Praise God. So they've got it together. Good for them. But at the same time... What I want to say is this word heart in scripture, nine times out of ten, nine and a half times out of ten, is referring to your spirit, to the innermost core of who the person is. Because humans, we're made in the image of God. God is a three-part being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and you are a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. And so when it refers to your heart, that is referring to your spirit. It says, guard your spirit above everything else. I mean, you need to take care of your body, no doubt about it. But uh, listen, I got to take care of my spirit even more so than that. I know people, they'll pay hundreds of dollars a year, thousands of dollars a year for a gym membership. They'll eat the right diet. They'll pay a bunch of money to eat the right food because they got to take care of that body, but they don't ever do anything to take care of their spirit. 
Come on, that's a fool right there. And I'm not putting down on nobody, but that's a fool. If you guard your physical body more than you even guard your spirit, you realize that your spirit, it never, it's never going to die. It's going to be in existence a million years from right now. And you're putting all of your focus onto the one part of you that's going to be around for maybe 80, 90, if you're doing really great, 100, 105 years. You're putting all your focus on that, and, and you don't do anything to take care of your spirit that's eternal, and it's going to be here forever. I'm sorry, but that's a fool. And then those same people that they, they, they'll spend thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars on the food, on the equipment, on, on, on the gym membership and everything. Then they look at you like you're stupid for giving a tithe of your income to God. And they probably pay 15, 20% of their stuff to take care of their body. And I'm saying, hey, that's a great idea. You ought to go to the gym. I don't know much about it, but I hear great things, right? But I'm telling you right now that I'm going to, Pay a whole lot more attention to my spirit. Amen. And, and there's people that they, heart disease may be the number one killer of the body worldwide, but there's a lot of people that have some spiritual heart disease because they don't guard their heart at all. They'll let anything and everything take heart shots all day long and they don't do a thing in the world to stop it. And maybe right now you're in here and you're miserable and you're like, hey, things is going bad. Things are, I'm telling you, I just, I don't have no joy. I don't have, and I present for your consideration, perhaps there could be an area that you did not guard your heart in. I'm just throwing that out there. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, tell you how I didn't guard my heart. It's, it's this girl over here. It's this guy over here. It's my boss. It's, it's the it's the preacher. It's this. It's whatever, man. And and sure, it's it's real easy to throw everything off on everybody else. But how about if you want to actually fix things in life, we can really examine and lay our pride down and say, you know what? I opened up the door to attacks from the enemy because I didn't guard my heart in this area right right here. And if we can get real, if we can quit trying to just throw our problems off on everybody else and look and say, you know what? I'm going to take responsibility for my own spiritual condition right now. If we would do that, you would change your life in a hurry. If you would take, if you would take responsibility, spiritually speaking for your life and for yourself, it would change things real quick. Hey, we're doing the best we can around here. We're dishing out the word hot and heavy three times a week. We've got Bible studies going on all the time. We've got prayer meetings. We're doing what we're trying to do to help you out. But there comes a point in time where you say, you know what? I'm going to have to be responsible myself. I'm going to have to learn to feed myself a little bit. I'm going to have to learn to pray for myself a little bit. I'm going to have to learn to lead myself in worship just a little bit. I'm going to have to learn to guard my heart. Above all else, because it'll determine the course of my entire life. And so as I've been praying, I've just been uh, keeping a notepad with me, uh, you know, partying like it's 1995. I'm like, hey, I don't need to take notes on my iPhone, so I get this pad. And every time that God speaks an area to me, I'm writing down, God, what do we need to guard our hearts from? And I got this great big list compiled, and there's no way I'll ever tackle all of it. But, uh, but what I'm doing is each week here, I'm just praying, God, what do we need to talk about this week? What do people need to hear about that they need to guard their hearts against? And, and so I'm just going to go over three areas today. 
today. Three areas that you need to guard your heart against. And I believe it's what the Lord's spoken to me for this week. And so if you're like, well, hey, that doesn't apply to me at all, then it probably applies to you big time. So just <laughs> you're probably the one he's talking to. But anyway, uh, you know, that's between you and God. But let's go ahead and pray and get into the word. And we're going to look at some areas that you need to guard your heart in. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you yet again that we have a church to come and worship in, that that we're surrounded by the people of God. We've got the word of God right here in the English language that we get to read. Thank you for the men that gave their lives for us to have a Bible in 2021. Lord, I pray that we will... Be transparent today, Lord, that we will open our hearts to you. You said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears me, they'll let me in. Well, Lord, we know you're knocking today, and I pray that we would open the door and let you in so you can do what you need to do to make us better for you. We love you. We praise you. In the name of Jesus, can somebody say amen? All right, the first area is this. Number one, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, so I'm like, God, you sure you want me to say this? And I believe that we need to say it again. So, in fact, I think we gave a pretty thorough sermon on this a while back. But number one, guard your heart from offense. Guard your heart from offense. Now, truth be told, we could preach on this probably once a week and still not get the job done. Because... And I'm going to show you, we live in the most offended generation of people that have ever lived on planet Earth. And I'm not even going to sit here and try to make fun and make jokes, because I used to do that, but it's gotten to the point where it's not funny anymore. It's sad, and it's sick, and it kills people, and it kills families, and it kills nations. People being so offended over things that it's flat out a killer from the devil. And believe it or not, it is one of the key signs of the end times. Well, I don't believe it's an end time sign. I know the mark of the beast is, and I know that the Antichrist is coming, and I know that wars and rumors of wars. Yeah, well, in that same list, it talks about people being offended. Look at Matthew chapter 24 this morning, Matthew 24. And so as we are in the end times, which I very much believe that we are in the end times, uh, you know, it doesn't really take a deep theologian to study the scripture on this and find out that, hey, all these things Jesus said were going to happen right before he comes back are literally happening, especially in 2020 and 21. And one thing that people overlook, because it's real easy to kind of look at some of these uh, big uh, 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 signs that he talked about. And then, you know, the book of Joel talks about uh, there will be pillars of smoke coming from the earth and you know you can look at that and be like well that's you know atomic bombs you can look at all all these different things that are the big you know uh fancy i guess i don't know what word to use but but big old signs from heaven but there's some very potent uh things that jesus mentioned here in matthew 24 that he said are gonna happen right before he comes back and there's such Things that seem so little that we've overlooked them. And as a matter of fact, even a lot of Christians are giving in to some of the things that Jesus said were going to happen. And so Matthew 24, and we're going to look here at, at verse 10. I'm in the New King James on this. New King James, Matthew 24, verse 10, it says, And then many will be offended. They'll betray one another and will hate one another. 
He's talking about the end times here. You can read the whole chapter, but he's talking about what's it going to be like before the Son of Man returns. He says one thing that it's going to be like is many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. And so... I'm studying this out, and, and this Greek word that, that says many will be offended, that, that word literally means majority. And so I'm like, what? No, there's no way. And as I'm reading this, Jesus says, listen, guys, before I come back, the majority of people on earth will be offended people. Think about that. How easy is it to attack people or a group when they're all mad at each other anyway they don't stand up for each other they don't you know one of the things that was interesting uh as the children of israel came to take over the promised land if you read the book of joshua they're attacking jericho then they're attacking this city and then that city and 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 they're attacking all these cities individually and one reason that they did so well was god was on their side but none of these cities got along with each other they all were of the same blood the same race the same people, but they all hated each other's guts. And so and so the Israel knew, hey, we can go attack Jericho and the people from from over here. They're not going to come and have their back. They hate them. And so, listen, one thing the devil can do to you if you're offended and mad at everybody. And and I mean, literally looking for things to be offended about. He can come in and eat your lunch and nobody's there. He's like, I, I don't, I can do this. Nobody's there to have their back and they don't have this guy's back. They're all mad at each other all the time. I got this. Listen to me. Jesus said that in the end, the majority of people will be offended people. And so I make it a top priority in my life to guard my heart from being offended. Do people do things that are offensive to me? Absolutely. Every day, man. If you're a Christian, how can you not possibly have the chance to be offended in this world right now? Everything they do goes against what we believe in. But listen, if I sit there and decide, man, I'm offended at him. I can't stand this guy. That's not going to get me anywhere. It's only weakening me and my ability to function as an end times Christian. And so Jesus said they'll be offended. But what do what do offended people do after uh, they're offended? Well, it leads to betraying one another. And then that leads to hating one another. These are some ugly words right here. They're offended. They betray others. And then they hate one another. Hate is not a word that Christians use. And I can say this with a clear conscience before God Almighty. There's not one person in this world that I hate. Not one. And by hate, I mean saying, you know, I wish they would just die. I wish they would just go to, you know, and 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 that's an awful thing. But that's hatred. There's people I'm not particularly fond of. There's people that aren't on my best friends list. You know what I'm saying? But there's nobody that I hate. And when you let offense get a hold of your heart, it leads to betrayals and it leads to hatred and this is one of the most potent and deadly and effective weapons that satan uses against people 
Now, I'm getting ready to tell the bananas story, the monkeys and the bananas. Maybe you've heard this story, but I'm getting ready to tell the monkeys and the bananas story. And so I had Josh, my brother, he he actually verified this for me, and we looked it up and found the video of the actual tribe that does this. But anyway, there's a tribe in a remote part of Africa that one of the delicacies for their culture is monkey brain. And they like that. It's good, you know, it's like, and so they've got a very effective trap and way of catching the monkeys uh that is it's you know it seems like that wouldn't work but i even josh showed me this video i'm like lo and behold it actually works they actually do this and so what they do is they get a little cage right with with the like a little jail cell with the bars they're all going vertical down not horizontal vertical and so what they'll do is they'll put this little cage out there and put a banana right in the middle of the cage and so the monkey comes up and sees a banana. He reaches his hand in this way, turns it, grabs the banana, and then he can't get the banana out because it's going against the bars. And he keeps, and then the little, the natives run out and they bop him over the head with a hammer. Then they, you know, crack his skull and eat the brains. And, and so I guess apparently it's delicious. I'm going to have to take their word for it. But at the same time, here's the thing. The monkey, there's nothing tying him down. He's too fast for them to catch. These guys are super fast. But here's the deal. If he would just let go of the banana, he could turn his hand and flee and get away. But because he's holding on to this thing and he won't let go, he just holding on. He won't let go of it. The enemy comes and beats him over the head until it's all over with. Here's the deal. There's a lot of Christians. There's a lot of people that they ran up to the cage. They they grabbed a hold of the banana called offense in this instance, and they're not letting go of it. They won't let go. And the enemy's just bashing you over the head, beating you. And if you would just let go and let God take over, you would receive some freedom. Yeah, but come on. You gotta let go of that thing. And, well, yeah, but if I did that, then, then they'll never get what's coming to them. Listen, if somebody messes with a child of God, they will get what's coming to them because God Himself said, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will pay them back. If you will leave things in God's hands, sadly, if these people don't repent, they will get what's coming to them, sadly. And I don't root for that, and I don't cheer for that. But the fact of the matter is this, is that when you mess with one of God's kids long enough, there will be a price to pay for it. But the thing is, is if I take vengeance into my hands and take it out of God's hands, then that's all there is to it. I've taken it away from God, and I've placed that responsibility upon me. I'm not, I, I don't want that responsibility. I, you know, if, if someone's messing up and messing with God's kids and, 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 and with God's children, then you know what? I hope that they get it together, but I'm going to leave that in God's hands. I am not going to touch that because when I take things out of God's hands, then it's in my hands. And I'm not so good at handling the things that should belong to him. And that's a word for somebody that a lot of people, you're like, well, where's God in this? You keep taking it out of God's hands and bringing it into your own hands. Whether it's, whether it's your money, whether it's your healing, whether it's whatever, you keep trying to take God's job away from Him and putting it on you. And it's not your responsibility. It's in God's hands if you'll leave it in His hands. Quit trying to play the role of God. You stink at it. You're no good at being God. But He's really good at it. If we'll leave things in his hands. And so as we look at offenses, I've discovered in life that there's two kinds of offense. 
There's those that are justified. You have every right in the world to be offended and upset. And then there's those that are really unjustified and you're just kind of being a little sissy about it. And I'm, I'm not putting down. I've been there and I've been little sensitive sissy boy and got offended over stupid things that were really not that big of a deal. Right. I've been in both. But here's the thing. Whether the offense that you've let get control of your heart because you didn't guard it, whether it's justified or unjustified, it doesn't matter. It has the same outcome both ways. It ruins your heart. I've seen on the news sometimes where people have got shot intentionally by someone and sadly they die. Then I've seen sometimes where somebody accidentally got shot with a firearm also. It was a total accident, total accident, but the outcome was exactly the same in both instances. And I'm telling you right now, you may have every right in this world to be offended and upset, and that's fine. That You know, maybe you have every right, but listen... The outcome's the exact same for you as if it was just something that you were being, you know, overly sensitive about. Well, that doesn't sound too fair to me. I think that I should be able to get people back, and I think that I should be able to hold on to this. And you can do that, but you're going to have heart conditions for the whole rest of your days down here on earth. And I don't want that. I want to be a fully functional, on fire, full steam ahead, kicking the devil's booty, Christian, until I get to heaven and i dancing on those streets of gold. So you can cling to your rights to be offended, or you can say, you know what, I'm just going to give that over, and I'm going to, by the grace of God and the help of God, I'm going to move past this and put it behind me, and I'm going to have a clean heart before God Almighty. And, that, you know, again, that's totally up to you what you're going to do with that, but I know a lot of people that they would rather cling to their rights to be offended than they would run to the freedom that Jesus Christ has to offer. And it may feel good to be able to cling to your rights there, but I'm telling you right now, I've lived both ways. Freedom feels a whole lot better than being in bondage to something that somebody did to me years ago. I like freedom. I like freedom a lot more because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I have the presence of God in my life. I can come boldly to the throne of grace any time that I need to and find favor and help in my time of need. And I don't have to carry that banana with me. I let go of the banana a long time ago and I let Jesus bring me freedom. Can somebody say amen today? Now, why is offense such a, I mean, there's so many levels. And I, again, I feel we could talk about this topic every single week and, and, and still not do it justice because it's one of the main traps that the enemy is using in the end times. But another great danger of offense is what it leads to in verse 11. Look at the next verse here with me. So these offended people, they betray others. They end up hating other people. And anyone that hates somebody isn't really a child of God, according to 1 John 4, 7 and 8. But then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Offended people are very susceptible to deception. Most of the clearly offended people that come in and, you know, people that come to me and, and, you know, they're, they're just offended and offended and offended a whole lot of the time. They're also in some pretty major deception in other areas of their life. 
And, and if you look at Jesus' words, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's no mystery why. Offended people, they end up betraying others. That it eventually leads to hate, which is, I mean, just off the charts, not good. And then those people, there's false prophets that'll rise up in the end times and they'll deceive many. These people will fall for the things that false prophets are saying. And some, and I mean, I've seen false prophets. I've seen, uh, false, I guess, ministers. I've seen, People in the name of God do really bad things, and it wasn't God that had them doing it at all. And you sit there and you're like, how did anybody fall for that? How did anybody believe that? It's so obvious that that is not correct. It's so obvious that that was a bunch of baloney. How did they fall for it? Well, I'll bet somewhere along the line before they went from just being a solid Christian to following and believing a false prophet, somewhere along the line, they probably just opened up the door a little bit to the devil somewhere, potentially in the area of being offended. And then maybe they betrayed people around them that were actually good people for them. And, you know, sometimes people get offended at you when you are really helping them. How'd that happen couple times in my life, okay, <laughs> where I, you're just trying to be there, you're just trying to help them, and then the minute that you say something that they just, that it may be the truth, some people don't like the truth, and that's not God's fault, and that's not your fault, some people don't like the truth, but maybe you presented the truth, and then the offense comes in, they betray you, they end up hating you, and next thing you know, they're being deceived in all sorts of areas. How could all this be avoided? If we would guard our hearts against offense, offense, it'll hurt you. Whether it's justified or unjustified, the result is still the same. It will wreck your life. And I don't like to see that. I I hate to see somebody's life wrecked to pieces when Jesus told us how to handle some of these things. And in coming weeks, so we're going to specifically show ways the Bible says to guard our heart. But the second thing I'm going to talk about today is this. Number one, guard your heart against offense. Number two, against resentment. Against resentment. Now, resentment, being resentful, uh, you know, that's another word that's not so fun to discuss, but we're here to help and we're here to set people free. And so resentful means a feeling or expressing bitterness or indignation at having been treated unfairly. It means a, a, a bitterness, a, 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 a resentfulness against being treated unfairly. And so as I've looked up the definition of resentful from every possible angle, uh, most of the definitions point to the person was actually wronged. They weren't just being sensitive, okay? And so something legitimately wrong and bad happened to you, and then you let resentment come in and take over your heart. And you're like, well, hey, I, it is what it is. It's, 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 it happened to me, so I deserve to do this. And listen, you again, you can cling to your rights to be resentful, but you could also Run to the freedom that Jesus Christ has to offer and let him set you free from that resentment. Amen. And so that's something to think about and consider right there. But resentfulness is is, is a, a, a dangerous thing when it gets a hold of your heart. You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever known somebody that 
They've got a heart full of resentfulness. They resent this person. They resent that. They, they just, it, 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 it's a poison that overtakes the heart and it'll screw your life up really, really bad. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, when the apostle Paul is giving God's definition of love, okay, and that's beautiful. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, you can read that on your own time, but, but it talks about love is patient. It is kind and it says it is not Touchy or fretful or resentful. I love them, but I resent them. Then you're not walking in the God kind of love. Because the God kind of love literally is not resentful according to 1 Corinthians 13. So there's no way. And again, we're not, we're not, uh, throwing stuff at you today. We're trying to help and bring some freedom to your life. And so, if there's anybody I know that deserved to be resentful. Anybody, I mean, top of my list of people that had every right in the world to be resentful, it was a young man named Joseph in the book of Genesis. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 45 with me this morning. Is everybody still here today? Amen. Amen. We're just trying to bring the truth. Genesis chapter 45. And we're going to look at verses 3 through 8. Genesis 45. Verses 3 through 8. And we are talking about above all else. You have got to guard your heart. Above everything else. Guard your heart. Genesis 45. And as we turn there, just to catch up on the story, if you're not familiar, Joseph had some very bad things happen to him. Worse than anything I've ever had happen to me. And I would go on a limb to say probably worse than anything that's ever happened to you too. So obviously, if you're familiar with the story, Joseph loses his mother at a young age. His mom dies. And then his dad uh, has these 12 sons, right? And out of the 12 sons, Joseph is the favorite. And sometimes you're like, hey, you know, I'd like to be, I'd like to be the favored one, the favorite one. Well, with that comes a lot of heat. <laughs> when you've got the favor upon you, not everybody appreciates it. And even right now, you are a new covenant child of God. You've got the favor of God on you and not everybody appreciates it. Maybe there's some times that, that I, well, how'd they not get sick through all this? I don't get it. How are they doing? So, how does, how does, how does she have joy right now? How do they keep getting promoted? How do they, they it seems like none of this stuff ever touches them and people will get mad at you. Why? Well, you're favored of God. You've got the favor of God all over your life. And some people, they don't like it. And so Joseph was the favored one, the favorite one. And his brothers, they didn't appreciate it. So what happens? They throw him into a pit to die. And then one brother has some heart, Judah. He decides, hey, you know what? Let's just pull him out of there. And, and so they sell him into slavery. And so he goes from his homeland to Egypt as a slave. And then he's finally climbing his way up the ladder as a slave. He's accused of rape and so falsely accused. So they throw him in prison. Now here he is locked up in prison for years and years and years. And it's like, man, this guy just can't catch a break. But as you study the whole story, not one time does he blame God? Not one time does he say, why God? Not one time does he really show any signs of complaining out of the entire story. How is that? Joseph was a master at guarding his heart. 
Now, I'm telling you right now, there's no way those things happen to you and it doesn't hurt. Joseph probably hurt pretty bad. His 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 mind was probably like, how did my own brothers do this to me? His his body had to hurt getting beat, getting thrown into pits, getting bullied around, getting shoved around like a prisoner. Listen, he probably hurt all over. But out of all of it, he guarded his heart like nobody you've ever seen before. Nowhere in here does it mention him being offended. Nowhere in here does he show any signs of resentment. And yet I know people in 2021, they're resentful because you got the last chicken wing at the Super Bowl party. And that sounds like a joke, but I know people that are, are offended over the dumbest things. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to judge and I'm not trying to be mean, but let's get real. People are making up excuses. Well, you didn't call me the right pronoun. You didn't call me the, man, shut up. Shut up. That's ridiculous and that's stupid. We don't have to adjust our whole lives and societies to go with your imagination. And I'm not being mean, but someone needs to tell the truth around here because there's so much lies and deception going on in this world, in this nation right now, that it is killing it. Thank you, Rodney. I will. Listen to me. Listen to me. The truth will set you free. And there's so many lies going around right now. People being offended over the dumbest stuff. And here we have a man that was falsely accused, that was put into prison for years and years and years, that was beaten and bullied and put down on and stolen from his own family and everything else. And never one time does he say, why, God? But why? It's your fault. Never did this. Oh, one of these days, I am going to get my brothers back. I'm telling you right now, I'm getting them back. Never one time. How is that even possible? You guard your heart above all else. And so look what happens here, because if you're familiar with the story, Genesis 45 Verses 3 through 8, the day comes, there's a great famine in the land. Because of Joseph's ability to interpret dreams, he is promoted to the second highest position in the entire land of Egypt. And he is over all the food distribution. And guess who has to come begging for food? The 11 brothers. Well, one of them was good, Benjamin. But the 10 brothers that did all of this to him, they have to come to him for food. And you know, if you've read the story, Joseph's kind of playing games with them for a little bit. Like, hey, is my, he wants to find out if his dad's alive. Is my little brother still alive? And then finally, he reveals who he is. Genesis 45, verse 3. They're like, we need food. And finally he says, I am Joseph. He said to his brothers, is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. Talk about awkward. You think you've been in an awkward spot? How awkward is this? The very man that you destroyed his life is the man that holds your whole livelihood. He holds your life and the life of all of your family and the palm of his hand right now. And you ruined his life. Yeah, you think they were speechless? No kidding, they were speechless. Talk about a bad spot to be in. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother. He didn't say, hey, I'm Joseph. 
I'm your master now. <laughs> Whoa, the tables have turned. I'm Joseph, your enemy. I'm Joseph, the man that is going to pay you back. He said, I'm Joseph. Guys, I'm, I'm, I'm your little brother. The one, you know, I'm, I, I'm your brother. Your brother who you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. Who would say something like this? It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. I'm here to save your lives, guys. It's okay. It's okay. Forget about what happened. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years, it's going to last five more years. And there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. It was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. He was the governor of all Egypt. Now, as I look at this story, I mean, even even I've read it uh, probably since I was a kid. I've probably read it a thousand times or more. But even as I read this, I'm like, who in the world could do something like that? A person that knew how to guard their heart. How could you go through that and not be bitter and resentful and angry and seeking revenge? He didn't have any of that. He guarded his heart above all else. And he came through it. Not only did he say, guys, I don't want to pay you back. It's over. I don't want to kill you. I want to save your lives. I believe that God set this whole thing up so I could save all of your lives. Forget about what happened. That's guarding your heart. So no doubt there had to be hurt involved along the way. And I'm telling you right now, there's people that are going to hurt you in life. There's people that probably have hurt you in life. But how do you want this thing to end? Do you want to end on top of this thing? Or do you want to end on the bottom of this thing and die with resentment and offense and bitterness in your heart? Guard your heart above all else because God can take a train wreck of a situation and sculpt it into something beautiful. Look what he did right here. This was one of the worst. I mean, you think your family's dysfunctional. They put the fun in dysfunction. These guys were nuts. This was a bad family right here. But look what happened. God sculpted it in to something absolutely beautiful. And so maybe you've had some legitimate bad things happen to you. We can't go back and change that right now, though I wish we could. But we can guard our hearts against it and not let Satan have a stronghold to use against you for the rest of your life. It was bad enough that it happened once. But when we let resentment control our heart, we let it happen again and again. I'm going to say that again. It was bad enough that it happened once. But when you let resentment control your heart, you let it happen again and again, day after day. And no one controls my heart except Jesus. Well, yeah, but you ought to let your wife. And listen, I love my wife. You know that with all my heart. I love her with everything that I am. But I don't put the responsibility of my heart and my spiritual condition upon her. Only a lazy person would do that. I'm responsible for guarding my heart. 
I'm responsible. Even if we say offensive and hurtful things to each other, I'm responsible for guarding my heart. I mean, you can believe me or not, but I don't put my spiritual responsibility upon my wife. And she doesn't put it all upon me. Yeah, I've got a job to do. Yes, I'm the head of the household according to the Bible. Yes, I've got a lot of work to do there. I've got, I mean, there, that's a job right there, being uh, responsible for guarding and protecting and all that stuff. But I don't put, you know what, I'm bitter and mad and it's her fault. So there you go. God, talk to her. No, I have to guard my own heart above all else. And it affects everything that I do. And you're in the same spot. And so, why was Joseph so successful? He guarded his heart like nobody else I've ever seen. And God used him big. And here's the third thing that I'm going to say. Now, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, and I don't, I don't go around saying this super often, but I know the Lord wanted me to say what I'm getting ready to say. And so, hey, if you've got rocks to throw, put them down. If you want to hit me with something, you know, praise God. Hey, you know, that's good. But but I believe that God spoke this uh, to me, and it's maybe not for everybody here, but it's for somebody, maybe someone listening online or whatever. But no doubt about it, I was supposed to say today what I'm getting ready to say. And so if we don't guard our hearts against offense and against resentment, and if we just let the things of life and the things of the world get to us, this happens to a lot of people. Number three, you have to guard your heart against enjoying sympathy. Enjoying sympathy. Now, let me explain before you decide to kill me and, and tell me I'm an insensitive jerk. I'm not an insensitive jerk. I'm a, I'm a soft guy. You, you know, those of you that know me, I'm a pretty nice guy. But I found out that somebody that has resentment built up or often people that have been wronged or abused will unwillingly not, you know, they don't even, they're not conscious of it, but they will enjoy getting sympathy from others. And in turn, they will do things to obtain sympathy. Now, I've seen this, you know, I've been pastoring and in full-time ministry for 14 years now, talked to a lot of people, and I've seen a lot of things, and I'm just telling you right now, and it's, I'm not blaming the person, I'm not judging them, because there's some people, they had sometimes such a sad childhood, the only way they could get attention is if something bad happened to them, then maybe somebody would actually pay a little attention. Maybe if they got into a little trouble at school, maybe someone would finally pay attention then. And in turn, this has developed a heart condition, all right, and it's done things inside of them to where they don't, they probably don't even identify it in themselves, but whether they know it or not, they get their fulfillment out of sympathy. And listen, sympathy is a good thing. Uh, uh, being compassionate is a really good thing. Jesus was full of compassion and sympathy and love and an unending love, but you can choose to Try to obtain sympathy for the rest of your life, or you can obtain wholeness and healing from Jesus. But you can't chase both. It's going to be one or the other. And I have found that people that will really give it over to Jesus, being healed and whole is so much better. Where my fulfillment in life comes from Jesus, not from, man, if people would just feel bad for me, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe this would happen. That's a dangerous trap, and it's from 
the enemy. And Satan would love to hold you in that bondage for the rest of your life. But Jesus has a greater plan for you. Jesus has something even better than that for you. He's got freedom for you. He's got victory for you. He's got you being more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And so... If the only way that, that you can, uh, the only way that you can obtain attention or feel like somebody cares for you in life is to have a storm in life, then you'll unknowingly maybe sometimes create storms or at the very least unconsciously welcome them when they come. Now some people, you're like, oh, I don't, that doesn't make any sense. I know, that doesn't apply to everybody, but it does apply to some people. And I want people to be free. Because whenever the enemy comes knocking on the door, I want you to stand up and say, no, we resist that in the name of Jesus. I'm just, I'm just being flat out real right now. Listen to me. When sickness comes, resist it. You don't need to have sickness in your life. Yeah, but I mean, if I did, then, then, then this, and maybe my husband would finally pay attention to me, and, and maybe this would happen over here. Listen, God's got a better way than that. God's got a better way than that for you. He's got a better way. And so, again, some people, when we let all of these offenses and, and resentments and things from the past get control of our heart. It determines the course of your life according to Proverbs 4.23. And before you know it, you're looking for affirmation in the wrong ways when Jesus says, listen, I love you. You don't, I, I'll love you anyway. I'm here for you anyway. I've got you anyway. I love you anyway, regardless of all that. He's got something better. So I want to show you something this morning. Luke chapter 4. Can we hit Luke chapter 4 here this morning? You still with me? Are you glad you came to church today? Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to absolutely set people free. He came to absolutely change our lives. He came to destroy the works of the devil in our life. And and if this is an area where, you know, a lot of people, again, I know people that they just they, they don't want to identify this and admit it and you know, hey, whatever. But at the same time, if we will identify and deal with some of the things that have messed with our heart over the years, I'm telling you right now, you will have the bondage. Jesus will deliver you out of that bondage. He came to set us free. And sometimes until the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of change, we won't do anything. You ever notice that? Sometimes we're just so used to and so accustomed to a certain way of life. But in a lot of us, until that becomes more painful than just actually changing We'll just live with it and won't do anything with it. But Jesus has better for you today than having to live with a heart like this. Luke 4.18, Jesus himself said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free. There are people oppressed by the devil. 
They are oppressed. I didn't say possessed, though I've seen people possessed by the devil. And I have cast the devil out of people in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm not afraid to do it again. But what we see a lot of the time is this, that there are people oppressed by the devil. And they're like, well, I don't, why can't he change? Why is she doing that? Why can't they change? And whatever, man, they are oppressed by the devil. Sometimes it's because they didn't guard their hearts. Sometimes it's maybe a door was open somewhere. Maybe it's just the devil picking on them, whatever. But the good news is this, that even if you were being oppressed, that Jesus Christ came to say that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be Be set free. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ today. That's the good news. That if you've been oppressed, that if you have been held captive by the devil in any area, it does not have to stay that way. Things can change through the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I don't think that we realize how powerful Jesus is or his name is. You know, uh, Paul wrote in Ephesians, he said, I'm just praying that you would grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that you would realize the mighty power of God that's available to you. I feel powerless, man. I... Maybe in myself I feel powerless, but there's not a day of my life that I'm powerless because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of me. Amen? You are a born-again child of God. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. The things that have held you bound for years, they don't have to anymore. You're a new person. You're not who you used to be if you'll receive the freedom that Jesus came to offer. And somebody said, well, we're only human. Don't lie to me. I am not only human. I'm one-third human, but a third of me is wall-to-wall filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm a born-again child of God. I am not only human. A third of me is human, but I've got a born again spirit on the inside of me. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. When Satan messes with me, he is messing with the son of God. When Satan tries to put sickness on me, he's trespassing on God's property. When Satan tries to come in and mess with my life and my family, he's messing with a son of God. And we've got authority over it. Luke 10. In fact, turn there. Luke 10. Let's go there real quick. Not in the notes. Not going to be on the screen. Luke 10. Luke 10. Somebody needs to know because it's very apparent that we don't yet have the revelation of the power of God that's available to you. You do not have to put up with sickness. Yeah, we do. No, you don't. You've got a covenant from God. I refuse to live my life in fear over sickness when the Bible clearly says that Jesus came to take our sickness and remove our disease. Matthew eight seventeen. Exodus fifteen twenty six says, I am the Lord who heals you. Now, if I didn't have a Lord who healed me, then I'd be afraid of sickness. But I flat out refuse to be afraid of sickness. I'm not afraid of it. And, well, you're stupid. I, I, well, I think you're weird. You're weird. Exodus, or excuse me, Luke chapter 10, 
And so, uh, verse 17, it says, when the 72 disciples returned, I thought there was only 12 disciples. No, there was a lot more. Right here, there's 72 disciples. They joyfully reported to him, talking to Jesus, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Whose name have you been trying to get rid of the devil in your life? You've been using your own, just trying to be strong. I'm just trying to be strong, brother. That fails every time. But the disciples said, when we use your name, even the demons have to obey us, Jesus. Verse 18, yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Jesus said, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Would that include power over your mental health? I believe it does. Would that include authority over your physical health? Would that include authority over your family, over your job, over your money, over your health, over your everything? Yes, he said, I've given you authority over all the power of the devil. You need to guard your heart so you can use that authority over the devil. There's no way that a child of God should be getting punked around, getting their face rubbed in the dirt, being this in the same condition that the whole rest of the world is in. It should not be that way. You are not like everybody else. You are not only human. You're different. You're a child of God. You've got a covenant from God. And it's time that you realize that and that you start taking advantage of what belongs to you. So guard your heart above all else, even more than you guard your diet, even more than you guard, you know, whatever it is that you guard. Guard your heart above all else and start using the authority that Jesus Christ gave you. He said, use my name. Well, who am I going to say sent him? Man, tell him that I'm coming in the name of Jesus Christ, and you better stop right now in the name of Jesus. You use the name of Jesus. And so, well, how could, how, how could all this happen? You need to start guarding your heart. When the enemy comes, you resist the devil. You submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you, James 4, verses 7 and 8. You 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 read the word of God. David said, I've hidden your word in my heart. That I might not sin against you. Well, I don't know how to overcome this sin. Get the word of God all over your heart. It'll help you beat that sin that's tried to destroy your life. Well, I don't know what to do next. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. There's ways to guard your heart. And we want to help you. But I'm telling you right now. In the end times. In the final days of planet earth. We need Christians to be strong. We need there to be a a remarkable difference between you and the rest of this world. You're the light of the world. You are. Well, I thought Jesus said, yeah, Jesus did say that he's the light of the world. But he also said, you are the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5. You're the light of the world. And if your heart is all messed up and and holding you back, that light's not going to shine too bright. You need to be ready to be free, to do the work of God, to follow the plan that God has for you in these end times. You've got authority in the name of Jesus to change this whole place. But it's up to you. You've got to guard your heart. Can I get an amen today? Amen. Can we stand up together? Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.